Thank you for listening to the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ podcast. We're a non-denominational congregation that serves the Fairfield through the New Haven area in Connecticut. If you would like to find out more about our ministry, you can find us on the web at sctcoc.org. All right, guys, we are uh, going to get going here. Good evening. What's up? Good to, good to see everybody. Welcome to, uh, to Midweek Live. I hope you appreciate my sign. I have to show this to you. So you're reading this properly. I had to write this backwards, and that's a lot more difficult than you think it is. So I had to figure out how to do that. That took uh, a good part of my, my day. No, just kidding. But it was actually pretty challenging to do. So everybody good? I think we should be fine. I think uh, just give me a quick fill up if you can hear me and see me okay. As far as I know, everything is good to go. And uh, we're looking forward to uh, getting going here with our midweek services again. I know the women are excited about their midweek tomorrow night. The guys um, going ahead for tonight. So uh, it's great to be back together again. And uh, I'm excited about continuing with what we began, which was a couple of weeks ago, uh, the Book of Ephesians study. We didn't get very far, but uh, we're good to go now. And uh, I think we're all set um, you guys can all hear me okay, right? It sounds like James is having a hard time. Sound is great, Jeff. Okay, good. So if you're having any kind of a video or an audio issue, ch- issue check your your device. You might have a problem on your end. So, But as far, as far as I know, we're all good to go here. So why don't we just go uh, and pray right now, and then we're just going to jump right into it. Father, we love you so much, and we thank you, God, for this time that we can be together, to be able to enjoy the fellowship, and to have a lesson, to be in the Word together. God, to be in prayer together. Um, uh, God, thank you for the technology that allows us and affords us the opportunity to be able to still meet uh, and see each other and talk with each other. And uh, it's just a great, great thing, Father. We certainly want to continue praying for all the situations uh, evolving around us and uh, pray, God, that uh, you can bring a, a speedy end to, uh, to this. But I pray at the same time, Father, that we're learning some great things about ourselves about each other, and about you. Father, we love you so much. Thank you for this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> okay, so we're in, uh, we're in Ephesians chapter 1, so if you have your Bible, go ahead and, uh, and get, that, get that queued up. But last time we met, we, um, we said, why Ephesians? And uh, that's our study here for the next little bit. Why Ephesians? Well, the answer is, why not? And it's a great practical study uh, about the health of the church. Uh, we know that um, that Paul wrote this letter 61 A.D. while he was in prison in Rome, which obviously was a very challenging time. And uh, at that time in the church, there was still a lot of disunity between uh, the Jewish and the Gentile believers. So they had their issues just like we have our issues today. And uh, the entire book of Ephesians can really be summed up in just one verse, and that would be verse 413 until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And so the overall message of this book is unity in the church. And, uh, and that's really important for us. I mean, given our diversity in just about every area, which really is pretty, pretty wide range with us in terms of age and race, culture, life station, gender, you know, life experiences. Unity in the church is something that we're always going to be working on. And I love walking into the fellowship and just seeing how many different kinds of people we have and just imagining 
what it would be like to have this wide of array of people in any other organization and uh, expect them to all work together and get along well together and love each other. That would be pretty challenging, but in the church we can do that uh, because of our foundation in Christ. But we still have differences. And even though we have many differences, we have one God, we have one church, and we have one mission. And so we really should be able to work through any of our differences to bring us together as one unified body. And as much as we need that, and indeed we do need that, the world really needs this. And I believe that seeing our unity will be a shining light in a very dark place. So I look forward to us continuing to work on this. So let's go ahead and get started. So now we're going to look at chapter one, get that uh, queued up if you're not there already. And the title of this first lesson is The Faithful. And uh, we pick it up, chapter one, beginning with me in verse one. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So what does it mean to be faithful? Well, we might say it's being full of faith, right? And that would be true. It would be, you know, able right to say if you're faithful, you're full of faith. But typically when we say faithful, we mean being, being true to God, being true to Christ, being true to lordship, being true to discipleship. And this really is best seen when we're standing strong in the face of, of great trials and challenges. So when you're going through something that's really pulling on your heart, you know, we say, man, I was faithful through it. You know, I was, I was, I was hanging in there. The word literally means, or the Greek word is pistos, and it literally means and can mean being trustworthy. And I think that particular definition of, of faithful, trustworthy, really applies here. And I want you to think about the trustworthy people in your life. And that would probably be, hopefully would be your wife, would be a close friend, maybe your mechanic, uh, maybe your doctor. You know, there are people that, that you, can, you can give them something to do. You can entrust something to them. And you know you can believe in them. You know that they're going to do the right thing no matter what. You can count on them no matter what. They will not steer you wrong. You know they'll be there for you. And so when Paul writes to the church here, he's saying, you are the trustworthy ones. And it's always saying, I know you have some real challenges, but I know you're going to do the right thing. And somebody who is faithful and somebody who is trustworthy lives a life that, that bears witness to that trust. We should have so much gratitude in Christ that we'll do everything in our power to be faithful with the lives that he's given us, no matter what's going on around us. And there are times when we might get rattled, as we often do, but there's nothing that would destroy our trust in Jesus Christ. And so that's being faithful. We are trustworthy that God has given us a trust, but we also trust much in God. For Paul, being faithful was so important. The church there certainly had their trials, and on one of his return visits, he meets with the elders and he gives them this warning. And we're going to look here in Acts chapter 20. And if you're there, fine. If not, you can just listen uh, if it's too difficult for you to get there. But I'm going to read from Acts chapter 20, verse 28. And Paul, on his return trip, meets with the elders 
And this is what he says. He gives them a warning. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he brought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning each of you night and day and with tears. And so he sounds the alarm. And he's saying there's going to be some really great trials on the way. And the issue that I think he was most concerned with, probably much less than people that were going to be coming in from the outside to try to destroy the church or try to harm the church. But I think the issue that, that Paul really had, the fear that he had, was that from amongst you, from among your own members, there's going to be disunity. And he saw that coming, which made this particular letter to the Ephesians so important. And this really was their be on your guard letter. And he wanted them to be faithful and to be trustworthy with each other and to Christ. And the key for that, for them with that would be focusing more on what they have in common than their differences. And so much of that has to do with understanding what it means to be chosen. And so I want to take a look at that right now. We're going to go back to Ephesians 1. And we're going to pick it up in verse 3. We're going to read down through verse 14. <clears throat> Praise be to the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Christ Jesus in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. What is Paul doing here? Well, he's explaining to them how it, how it came about that they all became a unified church. And in verse 3, he talks about this blessing, right? He says that he has blessed us in, every, in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. I've just noticed that there's literally a fire truck right outside my door. So <laughs> don't think they're coming here. I don't smell any smoke, but 
Anyway, that was a little alarming to see the lights in the window there, but I think everything is good. Uh, if not, I will certainly let you know, but as of right now, we're good. So anyway, look at it in terms of blessing, which is really being on the receiving end of God's, of God's grace. It's knowing and feeling that God has personally touched me in some way. So whether you're, you're receiving something or you've changed something or, or God has worked something out, when you feel blessed, it's that feeling that, man, I've been kissed by God. And, and there are so many things. No, Jeff, as far as I know, my house is not on fire. However, there is a fire truck right outside my window. Don't know what's going on, but I'll check it out later. But I think about my life. Man, I've been blessed in so many ways. I know, uh, you know, look at my family, look at my marriage, uh, look at my I look at being able to be in the ministry and be able to serve the church. I mean, it's a, it's a huge blessing. And I know we can all look, and we can all look at our lives and say, man, God has blessed me so much. Even though you might not have everything you wish you had, and maybe you don't have the job or the home or the whatever, but you look at the things that are important in your life, and we can all say, God has blessed me greatly. And so Paul is reminding them that, that they're being chosen to be part of the church is a blessing. No matter what else is going on, being part of the church is a blessing. I hope we all feel that way, that being able to be part of this kingdom, being part of this church is indeed a blessing. And so he, he's, he's now going to kind of walk through how, how it is that they came to even be a part of this thing. And it's a, it's a pretty amazing thing. As a race, he talks about the Jews first. He begins with the Jews as God's original chosen people, which he was. And he's saying as a race, the Jews were, were the first ones to be predestined and chosen to be adopted as sons and daughters in Christ. Now, we know that the church, for the first 10 years of its existence, was exclusively for the Jews. And what they enjoyed is what he details in this first little bit of the text that I read. Redemption through the blood of Christ. They enjoyed forgiveness of sins. They enjoyed the riches of God's grace. They enjoyed their salvation the hope of a future eternity with God. And all this because they were part of that, that chosen race. All that because they were Jews. But then he turns it around. And again, mind you, he's giving them somewhat of a history lesson. He says all these amazing things, these were afforded to us because we were, we were the Jews. We were God's chosen people. But now he turns it around to them as Gentiles. And you look at verse 13. He says, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who's a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Now, although not part of the original plan, that is the original plan being that this message of salvation would be for the Jews, not being part of that, God had already opened up a door for them as Gentiles. And it's a great story. You can find it in Acts chapter 10. We won't look at it tonight. That's another, another lesson. But you see through a man named Cornelius that the kingdom of God was ushered in not only for the Jews, but also for Gentiles. So it was an amazing, amazing time. And so when we, when we see scriptures like this, when we see predestination and chosen, up to this point, it was not the individual that Paul was talking about, but he was talking about the race. 
first for all the Jews, then for all the Gentiles. And in fact, when you go back and you look at the text, all you see is this plurality over and over again. And you can go back and see the examples. In verse 3, he says, us. In verse 4, he says, us. In verse 6, he says, we. In, uh, I'm sorry, us. In verse 7, he says, we. In verse 8, he says, us. In verse 9, he says, us. In verse 11, he says, we. In verse 12, he says, we. So every, every example, when he talks about this, this glorious you know, salvation and redemption and all this, it's like in us as a people, look what God has given us as, as the Jews, and, and now he's opened the door for you as, a, as the Gentiles. But we know that that door was already open before this letter was written uh, to the, for all the Gentiles, that the opportunity was there. But there's something very different about verse 13. Because it's the first time that you see the word you. And this form of, of you in the Greek is a personal pronoun in the second person. So it's singular. It's not plural. And that's really significant. When he said you, he meant not necessarily just them as a group of Gentiles, but now he's getting right to the heart of the individual. He was talking to them as individual people. He says, this was the gospel of your personal salvation. And God may have chosen the Gentiles as he did the Jews, albeit a little bit later. But he says, you got to join the party when you heard the message. You believed it and you responded to it. And we know exactly what that is. We've seen it. We've experienced it. Acts 2.38 and uh, when Peter was preaching the message, then he gets around to the baptism. And, and what does he say? He says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So at that point, you were marked with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit that was giving you a path to redemption. And I think that's pretty awesome. And I think Paul thought it was pretty awesome as well. And what happens next is where he says, so now that you know what you have in Christ, in the church, at least in your head, now it's time for the heart to fully kick in. And this is where you really appreciate the depth of it. And so we go a little bit further now. We're going to read 15 down through 23. Paul says, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people, I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, so that you may know him better. And I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and is incomparably great power for us who believe. And that power is the same as the mighty strength which he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, 
and every name that is invoked not only in the present age, but also in the age in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills, who fills everything in every way. And so Paul says, and for this reason. Well, what does he mean by for this reason? It's everything we just said. Paul says, I'm praying that you grab hold of it. If you go back and review, I mean, I'm praying that you grab hold of your redemption through the blood of Christ. I'm praying that you grab hold of, of your forgiveness of sins. I'm praying that you grab hold of your riches in God's grace that has been lavished on you. I'm praying that you grab hold of your salvation, your hope of, an, of a future eternity with God. He's saying, man, I, I hope you, you grab hold of that, that the eyes of your heart are open wide to fully appreciate what we have in both our personal relationship with God and what we have with our fellowship with each other, with our church. And even in the midst of these most challenging times, which we have right now, which I'm assuming is going outside out my door someplace, but I have no idea what it is. But even in the midst of these most challenging times, we have hope because we have a powerful God. And look at what he says in verse 20, in verse 19. He says, his incomparably great power for us who believe, that power is the same. Now, my news is the same, not somewhat similar, but it's the same. It's the same power he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. That's an amazing amount of power. When you think of all that power it took to, to raise Jesus from the dead, that's what you have. That's what we have. That's what I have. That's what we all have. If God can do that, is there anything that God can't do for you? And we have to remember how God has already worked by giving us a new life, giving us the fellowship in this church. That will keep you going. And that will help you to be strong and to be faithful. And so I want to close out with something Paul said in Romans chapter 8. So go ahead and take a look there. We're going to begin in verse, in verse 28. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Paul says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Jesus Christ, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God 
and is also interceding for us. And that means right now. Interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. It's a powerful way to close out. There is nothing that will separate you from God. And so no matter what's going on around us, no matter where we might be in life, man, be grateful for that. Be, be, be thankful for that. God has given us an amazing opportunity, one that we, we are saved, that we have redemption, we have salvation, we have the promise of eternal life. But then also God has given us this, this incredible fellowship. I don't know what I would do without this church and, and, and the friends that I have. It's, it's uh, especially right now, it's, it's keeping us all uh, together and, and close-knit, and that's a, that's a great thing. And so I really want you to pray about that uh, and, and be grateful to God for that. We're going to go to God in prayer right now, uh, and then I'm going to give you a couple things to think about when you break into your groups. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much, and, and we are so grateful and thankful, God, that you have chosen us, uh, Father, that uh, you had a plan long ago uh, to which we would be able to be a part of this fellowship. And you, you began with the Jews, and then 10, year, 10 years later, you brought, you brought in the Gentiles, and then you made it very personal for us today, Father. And I'm grateful for what we have in Christ. I'm grateful for what we have uh, in our fellowship, Father. I pray that we never take it for granted. And I pray, God, that we always love and appreciate so much what you have and, what, and who you are and how you've blessed us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A couple of things to remind you of. Uh, be sure to join your community group uh, Zoom meeting afterwards. You should have already received uh, an invitation giving you time and details. Uh, and that's just going to be a short time of discussion and prayer and a way to follow up and communicate with each other. And also, don't forget that Thursday is the ICOC Day of Prayer and Fasting for what's going on around us in our world right now. And uh, there's more details on the virtual church tile of the app. So you can go there and, uh, and you can read that and see what's going on. So write these two questions down. These are going to be the two things that we talk about. One, what do you love most about being a disciple? When you look at all the things that God has blessed us with, what do you love most about that? Great discussion question. And then the second thing, what do you appreciate most about our fellowship and being part of the body, part of the church? So that's what do you love most about being a disciple and what do you appreciate most about our fellowship? Love you guys a lot. Uh, look forward to, uh, to more uh, conversation and more talk. Uh, we are working on some, some more things that we can do as a church to stay connected. Uh, for those of us that were able to uh, uh, tune in to Will and Kristen this afternoon, it was so inspiring to be able to hear them. And uh, I think it meant a lot to them as well. They're far more isolated than we are right now. So we'll be doing more things like that. 
And uh, keep going through the app. Keep checking out what's going on there. Uh, keep up with all the social media. Keep up with your brothers and sisters. Uh, and, uh, and just keep on praying. Please, please pray that God's hand will, will move in whatever way God feels is best right now with all the things going on around us. Okay? Love you guys a lot. And uh, we're going to close out with that. Amen. Thanks. This has been an episode of the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ podcast. Please subscribe so you can keep up to date with the latest podcast.